Hello, I'm Jim Chafee, producer of The Road Back to You. Today's podcast is our 26th and final episode of Season 1. We're going to take a short break, but get ready. On March 1st, we are coming back with an exciting lineup of new guests and a list of topics that will help you dive deeper into your understanding of the Enneagram and yourself. Also, we are pleased to announce two Enneagram conferences with Ian and Suzanne. In Nashville, Tennessee, on March 31st and April 1st, and Austin, Texas, on May 12th and 13th. You can find more information at our website, theroadbacktoyou.com. We hope to meet each of you in either Nashville or Austin this spring. Remember, go to theroadbacktoyou.com for more information. Seats are limited, so we would encourage you to register today. And now, The Road Back to You. Cron. Suzanne Stabile. How are you, darling? I'm good. You know, we got some friends of ours on the show today from Dallas. Uh, we have more Texans on because we've had some Texans on in the past. And every time we do, I'm really definitely feeling outnumbered. I'm from Connecticut. Like, do you realize that I can get across the state like three or four times in the same day? Yeah. It takes you like a, like a, like two days. Two days. Yeah, it's 12 hours from Dallas to El Paso. How far is it from here to Floyd Data, where you're from? From from Dallas. Where, where is Floyd Data? Tell me, is it, does it actually exist? Because I'm not sure it really hey. does. I think it's just hey, in hey. your mind. Uh, Lubbock is a suburb of Floyd Data. Lubbock, where you went to charm school. Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> by the way, so charming. Tell, tell folks who we have on the. We have our friends Heather and Wade Hodges with mm-hmm. us today. They are both in ministry of different kinds. They are a three and an eight on the Enneagram, so they both belong in the aggressive stance, which means they're smart and talented and pretty sure of themselves and um, good at standing up for what they believe in and working toward all that's good. And they have two little boys, and they are um, super creative friends Mm. of ours. Right. They sure are. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, Wade and Heather. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for having us on. We are so glad that that the two of you are on. And I'm actually, you know, Heather's a painter and a very good painter. And she, can you see the, the painting? We're looking at, by the way, those of you who are listening, we're, lo- we're looking at Wade and Heather on a, on, on a computer monitor. But I, I can see over her shoulder a painting that she gave me. Right. A, uh, a copy of. Right. We, at, have, we have the same thing hanging in the Micah Center in Dallas. Oh, well, we got it hanging in my house. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Really good. Is They're it? in Heather's studio. Yeah, I love that painting. Well, guys, we're we're delighted that you're on, and and we, you know, you've had a good deal of exposure to the Enneagram, and as a, uh, you know, as a priest, uh, speaking to a, another clergy person, Wade, um, I have a thought I wanted to throw by you, and I'm going to throw it by our mutual friend Josh Graves later in the week, which is, you know. Uh, Probably 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, if a, a quote-unquote Christian, I'm using air quotes right there, were to release a book on the Enneagram, we'd have gotten shot down faster than, you know, you could shake a stick at. And uh, But now there just seems to be this um, kind of oh God, tremendous interest in the, in the faith community, even among more conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my first question for you before I get to my second part, sorry, Suze, That's is— right. 
Why do you think that is? And Heather, you can certainly weigh in on that too. Why do you think it is that people of faith, people who traditionally maybe even more on the, on the, the conservative side, would say, man, I really want to know this instrument called the Enneagram? I think it may have to do with as we become more and more aware of spiritual formation literature and, and thinking in terms of growing and developing as disciples, we've also become more aware of a need for an individualized training plan, if you want to call it that, so that there's not one size fits all approach to spiritual formation. So any kind of data or awareness we can gain about ourselves allows us then to tailor, make an approach to spiritual formation. Mm. And I know that's, that's where it's been so helpful to me is coming from a, a sports athletic physical fitness background. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses and you've got to have a program designed or an approach designed to address strengths and weaknesses. And if everyone's strengths and weaknesses are different, there's no way you can use a universal plan or approach for spiritual formation. So to me, the Enneagram helps me know myself better and know other people or help other people know themselves better so they can create their own approach and figure out how they use their strengths and, and weaknesses to grow. So I, I think it's kind of come out of both of those. We love spiritual formation, but we're also becoming more and more aware that every person is unique in their mm. need to grow spiritually. Boy, that's that's about as clear as guess. Heather, do you ever want something you want to add to that? Or Well, I like that. I, I really like what he, what he said. So I'll, I'll second that. Um, I, I agree. I think there's a hunger right now for, you know, especially in kind of the, the conservative fundamentalist, maybe free church um, model that, that we're coming from, especially the churches of Christ to have a better understanding of ourselves mm. and a better understanding, understanding of each other as well. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is, you know, Jesus said the two greatest commandments are these love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. It's it's easy to jump up like the expert in the law and say, but who is my neighbor? But one of the things that I'm learning from you, Suzanne, especially, and from the Enneagram is, that's not the best question I think we can ask. I think a better question is, how do I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind? And how on earth can I love my neighbor better mm-hmm. as I love myself? Yeah, I'm just so much more um, compassionate than I was before I knew the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm so much less judgmental, and I have so much more space for people who think and see differently than I do. Because I just didn't understand it before. Compassion, less judgmentalism, giving more people space. I can't imagine why we would need to learn from the Enneagram. (laughs) Not in our churches. I don't yeah. know why it would be helpful. It's fascinating. <laughs> it isn't is it? timely, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, when you think about the Enneagram and ministry, um, you know, and, and in the church itself, beyond the spiritual formation thing, can you uh, have you seen or can you imagine the way as it sort of leaks into a, a community, how it might change the symmetry of it, the quality of it, and uh, for the good or possibly for the not so good? Right. I do think talking about compassion toward others and less judgmentalism, I do think the more people you have in a group or a community that are aware of it, it gives us a better way of processing our conflict and even understanding why we have 
conflict gives us a common language to speak that we we can help each other recognize when we're operating out of either the lower level or the higher levels of our number. And that kind of common language gets us beyond just, I disagree with you, or I don't like you. Why are you so mean? Why aren't you listening to me? And we can actually move on with, okay, let's process this differently, but at least let's process it together as we Mm. do it. It's fascinating the things that you can say using a number that you can't say using somebody's name. Yeah. That's true. It just diffuses everything. If Mm -hmm. I said to you at times, um, Ian, you are, (laughs) yeah. But if I say, I'm already feeling wounded. If I say, um, foreness shows itself that way, teach me about that. It's a completely different conversation, but it accomplishes the exact same thing. Right. Well, what it does is it it depersonalizes, it takes the the, the sting sting out of Mm -hmm. the thing. Right. Yeah. Culturally, we seem to be um, in a time where there's an awful lot of um, dualistic talk, a lot of um, there's one way to do things, a lot of either or. This particular, I'm 65 in this particular political climate, which of course is being discussed in all of our churches, seems to be so divisive. And I, you know, I don't want to take our work too seriously, but I do think if people knew the Enneagram, we could have a different kind of conversation that would be more productive. Mm. So in your tradition where the where the word is is you know really held in in particular high esteem and I, as as it is in my own life. Mm-hmm. What, what would you what would you say to someone who said, you know, I the Enneagram is just not in the scripture. You know, it's just not based in scripture. And um how do you justify, you know, Christians using a quote unquote uh, source of wisdom that that you know isn't from the, the traditional Christian sources. I mean, how do you? My hunch is that every pastor who who wants to introduce it to their their church might get. I think I would lean heavy on wisdom tradition and wisdom literature and the way, it, especially if they really want to talk scripture, talk about the way wisdom literature works in the scriptures and that. Wisdom can come as a revelation from God, but also wisdom comes from paying attention to nature, paying attention to the world around us. But it also comes from paying attention to other people. You get wise by watching other people and learning from them. So paying attention to the wise and paying attention to the fools around you is what makes you wise. And I would say one way of summarizing the Enneagram is teachers of wisdom for years have just paid attention to themselves and each other and have noticed what allows people to navigate the world in their lives helpfully and successfully, effectively, or maybe get tripped up on some of the the battles they face internally. So Mm -hmm. I I would frame it there, and then I would probably run over to 1 Corinthians 3 or 4, wherever it is, where Paul talks about all things belong to us in Christ all are ours. So if there really is the Christ is Lord of all, then if it's true and it's good and it's helpful, mm-hmm. if it's fruitful and would bear Christ-like fruit, I think we can claim it. Mm-hmm. What, for our listeners who don't know Wade, what would you say is wisdom literature so everybody will know where to look? Proverbs, primarily. That's probably what most people would think of as wisdom literature. There's also elements of wisdom literature in the Psalms. Job is a form of wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes, and just the kind of aphorisms and and really modern day 
self-help literature tends to be a form of wisdom literature that's not out of scripture. But it's always interesting to me, the Christians who might push back against the Enneagram don't necessarily have a problem running down to the bookstore and buying the latest self-help book that helps them become a better salesperson or relate better with the people they either work for or work with. That's all a form of wisdom literature and getting some insight from other sources for how to relate to other people. Mm, that's a great point. Um, hey, Heather, I got a question for you. Um, so I, uh, you're an eight and, um, Roger that. Uh, Roger that. So we wrote in, in our book about, you know, how, uh, how gender plays out for eights and how difficult it is for women in our culture who are eights, uh, challengers, strong, uh, forceful, big presence, uh, go get them at times, combative and, uh, you know, aggressive. That, you know, when men do that, you know, we revere them and we say, oh my gosh, that person is the Adivar of, you know, masculinity, you know, and when a woman does it, we all know what they end up being called, right. you know. Um, I have an eight daughter. I have an eight daughter. And I do, but mine is, you know, mine is 23. Right. And she is an eight. And I mean, is she an eight eight? I mean, oh, 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 oh man! When she walks in a room, like you, you, you can hear da 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 da. Really, over the halls of Montezuma. Yeah, this Heather, she's learned to leave that at the door. You don't find out she's president till she gets to the middle of the room. <laughs> well, I adore my daughter, <laughs> but I know this is a season when she's, you know, trying to figure out who she is, and it, it's it's complicated because she's an eight. So Heather, I want you to imagine I'm my daughter. She's a young eight. What what would you what what advice would you would you give a young eight? woman about a young eight woman first of all the first thing i would want a young eight woman to know is you are not bossy pants you have amazing <laughs> leadership skills right and you need to hone into those leadership skills and start developing them so that you can lead mm. and so that you don't come across always as just bossy pants right that there's a lot of talent and a lot of qualities inside of you mm. and they're there for, for the tapping into and go for it mm. What's it been like for you, Heather, to um, grow up in a church where women's role was different than the role of men and opportunities were somewhat different? And I know that that's beginning to change uh, for you and for women in your denomination. But what what was that like for you as capable but not Miss Bossy Pants? Mm-hmm. It's been hard, Suzanne. It. It, it really has. Fortunately, my family of origin, the, the messages I heard growing up were I was valued. Um, I was loved. Um, my leadership skills in my family were, were treasured and valued and sought after. Um, something needed to be done. Heather will do it. You know, let's get behind her. And so all of those things were valued, even from the religious perspective as well. I can remember times when it was like a Wednesday night singing night at church and the little boys would go up front to stand next to the song leader and lead singing with the, with the song leader. And I wanted to jump up and go and help, you know, lead singing. Cause that's what I wanted to do. And I remember my daddy having to put his hand on my, on my arm and just say, no, honey, sit. It's, you can't go up there right now. And that never made sense to me. Why would I be given the desire to lead and, and, the, the call into what I was seeing as ministry, even at that young age, but being told, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. And so there was all this conflict about that internally. You know, it's, um, 
Uh, as you well know, and I imagine most of our listeners know by now, I'm married to a man who's been a United Methodist pastor for 28 years, but prior to that was with the Vincentian Fathers, studying to be and then ordained a Catholic priest for 26 years. And um, sometimes I get kind of whipped up about the role of women in the Catholic Church. And Joe reminds me that the Catholic Church is a global church and that it's really um, a question that has to be dealt with appropriately because what women uh, can do and are prepared to do and what the culture can handle in the Western world is not true all around the world. And while I can kind of bow up a little bit on behalf of my sisters who are um, uh, talented and smart and and not given a place for that in their churches. I, I wonder if now's the time and if the Enneagram will help us do it correctly. You know, I wonder if now's the time and what can keep women like you from being discouraged uh, might come from the compassion of understanding men and women based on their Enneagram number who are just not quite ready for that yet, for whom it costs them something that traditionally gives them security. Wow. Oh, Suzanne, what if? Wouldn't that be amazing if that were true? That, and I think one of the beauties of the Enneagram is that we can have that compassion for each other. And I think each number has so many unique gifts to it. Right. That we all carry those amazing gifts inside of us. And we, if, when we start recognizing those gifts among all of us, that some are gifted to lead and others are, are gifted to serve and, and support in different, different other ways. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you and I are, are both married to pastors in Dallas, in the Bible Belt, in Texas, in different denominations, but still, and we're neither one followers. We're leaders. I, I, I'm a little schmoozier than you are, which has made my path a little easier than yours. <laughs> um, but I, I think... Um, what I'm trying to live into, and you've heard me say it many times, is all I have to know is what's mine to do, and then I have to do that. And I think in this particular journey, in this particular time in ministry, we have to be very careful that we don't get attached to the results, that we show up and pay attention and tell the truth and do what's ours to do, and then stay detached from what comes next. Mm. I think that's words of wisdom. Hey, uh, Wade, you're a, you're a three on the Enneagram. You're uh, what's often known as the performer, sometimes the, the achiever. You're married to a challenger, and we'll, we'll come back to that in, in just a moment, what the dynamics of that are, are like. So, Heather, you may want to start writing down some, a few yeah. thoughts, but I'm, I'm, my hunch is you don't need a script. Um, Wade, what, uh, tell us a little bit about the performer. I don't want to describe the performer. I want you to describe the performer, what that experience has been like for you. Well... I think using what I've learned about myself, even with, with Enneagram studies over the last year or so, I, for me, I have a difficult time sometimes making the distinction between myself and my achievement or my activity mm-hmm. in the moment. Doing well, appearing to do well, being excellent in what I do is very important to me because I have a hard time separating excellence with who I am Mm. as a person. 
So the better I do, the better I feel about myself. And the good side of that is if I figure out what I'm good at and get a chance to do it, I can be very, very happy. Downside is sometimes if I'm not doing well or I'm in a situation where I can't do well, it doesn't feel like it's possible, then I feel like I'm pretty worthless, can fall into depression and not not always feel like I've got a, a direction or purpose in life. Mm. That's sort of been my up and down journey as a minister in a church that doesn't always know what to do with individual leaders. Our leadership structure is very much corporate and teams lead. We're highly suspicious of individual leaders. And in fact, we would tend to, if the crab is trying to crawl up the side of the bucket, we're going to pull it back down. Having grown up in, in, or at least come into adulthood in that and been doing that for 20 years, it's been a real journey for me to try and figure out how to do something that I'm good at, be good at it, and yet not attach my worth or value to the outcome of what I'm doing, especially whether or not people are receiving it mm. and how they're responding to it. Mm. Now, a lot of that is, as a speaker and a preacher, teacher especially, I'm talking a lot about my ministry is a lot of teaching from the stage. So as a performer, I, it feels like in many ways I'm always performing. Mm. I just want to add to that, that for our listeners, that Wade is at a in a very prestigious church in a, a, a part of our metroplex where expectations for excellence are very high. And so it it would be an extra challenge to not um, be attached to your image. Yes. Yeah. And the role that you serve. Extra, extra hard, I would think. So let's let's dip into marriage just for a let's second. Do let's while we go have to these marriage. Two. Yeah, we've we've covered mm-hmm. ministry pretty good now, but you know we'll we should we'll we'll have you on again because there's so much we could we can talk about you because your your experiences are so so great in life, Heather. I, um, I want you to maybe just maybe talk about you know maybe two things. One is what do you love about being married to a three? Right, like, and what are the you can maybe comment on some of the struggles, but and then also but just. Weave into that, like, how has the Enneagram, knowing the Enneagram, really affected your marriage? Pick, you know, just run with any of that. Be good. Pick, pick a question. Just pick a question. I just asked 14 that. questions. Pick your own. Precisely. Talk about the things you like about me. Let's hear more about that. Yes, continue. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. I... <laughs> They, oh, darling, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Oh, that's such a now, good intro. Edit that out. Yeah, let's get to it now. <laughs> yeah. Being married to a three is interesting because I have told Wade before, before I knew the Enneagram, I remember telling him, which Wade am I getting right now? Is this Ooh, Sunday yeah. Wade? Is this Friday night Wade? Is, you know, what Wade is this that I'm getting? Who am I talking to? And then I learned the Enneagram and learned that he adapts himself as a three to the situation that is required of him, that, that, that he's in at that, at that particular moment. And so that offers its own set of challenges right there is which way am I getting? Who am I married to at this, at this particular point in time? Um, cause there's some ways I love more than other ways. Um, mm. love my love Sunday morning Wade. I love serious Wade. He loves being jokey Wade and fun loving Wade. And sometimes the, silly, the Wade. silly, silly Wade. I'm not crazy about silly Wade. Um, I, I, I love silly Wade. <laughs> My guess is that Silly would, Wade would love it if there were all these options with Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. 
But yeah, that's that's kind of what it's being like married to a three is I'm not always sure which one of the personas I'm getting at any given time. Mm-hmm. So how has it affected your marriage, just knowing the Enneagram? And- it has been enormously helpful. When he, when Wade came home from Greenwich after meeting up with you two, what was that, a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah. We sat up till 2 a.m. talking about the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. it was so enlightening to find out, okay, you're doing this not because you don't like me or because you're judging me or because you're betraying me or don't love me. You're doing this because you're a three yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. And that allows us, like, like he said earlier, to have this new kind of language in our relationship that puts that distance like you were talking about, Suzanne. And it doesn't put it all on me because the last thing I want to have happen to me is to be betrayed. Right. right. And so knowing that he's not betraying me, he's just being, a, he's in his threeness yeah. at, that, at that moment makes it so much easier to, to handle and makes our relationship so much better. And all, I really wanted somebody to laugh at my jokes. Yeah, I hear that's, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Wade? Same questions. I, I, I think it, it, like we said earlier, having a number to talk about instead of even a behavior, here's what you're doing right now, but no, I, I, I'm seeing your eight come out. I think it's been really helpful. There is, there is a sense of understanding that when, when Heather is really manifesting herself in, in maybe a combative aggressive kind of eight, I normally understand, okay, something is going on behind that behavior that is deeply rooted. And it's not just, she's in a bad mood or she's mad at me or that kind of thing, but okay, what, what's really going on here? And and what is the deal? How, How do you feel like I betrayed you or is someone else attacking you or what, what does that feel like? So that's, that's been helpful. I think it's given both of us permission to give each other space that we don't have to change each other, even in the moment that, okay, if you're, she's in her eight and I'm in my three, let's stop trying to change each other and just give each other some time to maybe work through whatever it is we're working through, whether it's a discussion or an argument or, or just a a night out at the movies, we have to give each other space to process our experiences differently. Mm -hmm. So um, we we heard from Heather's. I want to know what you love about being married to an eight. That knowing when Heather sets her mind to something, that it's going to get done, mm. and it's going to get done well, and it's going to be effective. And mm. our first few years we were married, and of course not knowing what to call it, I I would always wasn't sure. Can you do this? Can you pull this off? Which you should never ask an eight. Yeah, that's not good. No, no, that's not a good question. But I would ask that question. Are, do you really know how to do this? Do you think you can really make this happen? And then after a number of years being able to say, not only to myself, she's got this, but then being able to tell other people who might doubt her, she's got this. And there being this great confidence that whatever the project is or the initiative is, when she decides that it's hers to do, I don't have to worry about it. I certainly don't have to manage or lead it, but I can get out of the way and enjoy watching her do what she does. And there's just a great, great deal of peace that comes from knowing you have a partner that is so capable and Mm -hmm. so confident. And especially in those times when I have, have my confidence, self-confidence has taken a hit and not feeling like I could function well, knowing that, 
she could function well and had plenty of confidence to spare. That, that's that been really cool for our marriage and really cool through some of the darker times of my ministry and my own journey. Mm, that's good, good, good. Man, this has been great, hasn't it? It has. Did Heather tell us why she loves being married to a three? She did earlier. Tell me again what you said. Well, some of some of the same reasons that way he loves being married to an eight, that is his confidence. Um, I love him leading me into a room because he knows exactly what's going on. And I come into a room like a bull in a china shop. And so that's, <laughs> that's always good. pretty handy, um, especially in ministry when you need to figure out what's going on before you just open your mouth. Um, so there's some of the gifts of the, that threes have, some of the gifts that Wade particularly has complement my weaknesses. We we hold each other up so much in that. Um, even though we're both ag- aggressive numbers, um, he has a more delicate touch than I do. Mm. Certainly when it comes more to- measured, more measured, he does have a more measured touch. And I need that. And one of the things that I love being married to him in particular is this, because we both know the Enneagram, he can help hold me accountable mm. when I'm misbehaving. And my number in a way that nobody else can. Right, right. And I can yeah. hear it from him. And daggummit, I don't always like to hear it from him, but he's usually right. Yeah. yeah. So we've almost run out of time, but would you guys be willing to come back sometime and talk to us about parenting using the Enneagram in the ways that you do? We would always be willing to come oh, back. Oh, I love that. I love that answer. Me too. Yeah. I like it a lot. Guys, thank you so much for being with us. We couldn't have helped for anything better. You guys are fantastic. I'll see you when I get home. Thank you. Bye. They were great. They are great. They are, um, you know, they're one of those exceptional couples. Yeah. They're both exceptionally smart. They're really pretty to look at. Yeah, (laughs) they are. Yeah, they got that. I mean, they got that kind of. Yeah. Do you remember that I met Wade before I met him? Joe and I were coming to New York to work on Sacramento Imagination with you. Yeah. And, um. We had this huge bag of Chex Mix, and so I'm in the center seat, and Joe's by the window, and this tall, good-looking guy comes in and sits down on the aisle seat, and he's kind of got his stuff going on, and Joe opens up. And you know, it's a long way from Dallas to New York. It's oh, a long flight. Oh, it's a, in more ways than miles. Yes, yes. And so um, we have this huge sack, and I say to Joe, should I share this with this guy? And Joe said, no, Suzanne, people don't do that. And I said, well, you don't have any snacks or anything. Don't you think I should share with him? And <laughs> Joe said, Suzanne, he's a big boy. He can get snacks if he wants them. So I said, oh, okay. So um, then we get to Greenwich to the event, and people are registering. And I look up, and there's Wade. <laughs> should have given them dang checks. Exactly. And I just went to him straight to him and said, like, I'm so sorry I didn't share my checks mix with you. So I've been apologizing since. Well, you know, that's that's a, that's a wonderful thing in your tunis. I'm, I'm delighted that uh, that you shared that to close out our, our show today. Yeah, yeah. I lead with my weaknesses a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. See Bye. you next time. You've been listening to The Road Back to You, looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. Produced by Jim Chapey and engineered by Brad Bass. Our theme music is provided by the band Waterdeep from their album Moment, written by Lori Chaffer. Please visit our website, www.theroadbacktoyou.com, for news, more podcasts, and information on our public appearances around the country. 
And you can order our book, The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And be sure to join us next time. It's going to be a good one, so come on back.